That's what we're praying for is a miracle. And, and uh, you know, it's, we got a great report. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting my drain hose off and all that stuff and, and uh, getting back to a, a normal life. I got, uh, I got those series of four injections that I'm done. I've done two of them. I got two more to go, and then it is over. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, thank you, Jesus. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me and how he raised me, I tell you, I, uh, when you're going through the process, and I won't talk about it, I want to talk to you how, how to encourage yourself in the Lord this morning, uh, how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Now, there's an old song that we used to sing. Now we're going together, enjoying the trip. Getting used to the family we'll spend eternity with. And I'm thought those words, are you enjoying the trip? Today, can you say that you're enjoying the life, the gift that God has given you? Are you enjoying it? See, the life that God has granted you, you know, sometimes people go through this life and they never understand that the life that you have was given to you by God. What are you doing with the gift that God has given you? Now, we're going to use our life one way or the other. The scripture says we spend our life. Spend means you, you know, when you spend something, you're, so every moment of every day, we are spending uh, some moments of our life. Now, we'll give an account of how we spend it. But, but life itself, your birth was not an accident. God had foreknowledge of you, not that you pre-existed, that's Mormon theology, but he had foreknowledge of you. And he has given you this wonderful gift, and it's a gift called life. And uh, m most of us, until we come to the point where we really turn our life over to Christ, we really never think about how we're spending it. We just all consume it with ourselves and our own self-centeredness, and we just think about this, this person. But listen, uh, God has given you a gift, and that gift is life, and it was meant to be enjoyed. Now, I will give you a couple of New Testament scriptures, and we'll uh, kind of, uh, you can go a lot of different places, and it, it will share with you about life and, and, and enjoyment and joy. But John chapter 10 and verse 10 just simply says, says this, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have what? God intends for you to have life. And not just an average or a, a, a weary existence, but an abundant, it goes on to say, and that they may have it more abundantly. Can I say to you today, if you're here and you're not saved, you, are not, you will never understand what it is to enjoy a Christian and a spirit-filled life. You may think you're having fun as a sinner. You don't have a clue. I thought I was having fun as a sinner. I mean, you go out there and get drunk and come home and you're sick the next day or you're hugging the toilet or, or you're shooting up on dope and, and you're broke all the time and stealing to feed your habit and stuff. That's not a life. That's bondage. Can't hold a job. Can't, don't have a nickel to rub between your fingers and all that stuff, and the devil says, boy, aren't you having a great time? Look in the mirror. No, you're not. 
It's a lie. Those that come to Christ and makes Christ the center of their life, and they have purpose and a plan, and God charges their heart with, uh, with, uh, with visions and ministry unlimited, and you begin to, to spend your life the way God intended for you to spend it, and then you begin to experience the life that God wants you to experience. It. Now, I'm not saying that you'll have everything you ever always want, but I do say that you'll have everything that you need. Amen. To enjoy this life. See, the things that God gives us are meant to be enjoyed. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. These are instructions that are giving, given to uh, those who are rich. Okay? Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not, not to be, get puffed up in pride or puffed up, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to what? Enjoy. Now, before you go any farther, someone said, well, I'm not rich. Oh, yes, you are. Don't let the enemy tell you, well, I don't, I don't have everything I want. I, I, that's not what, God didn't promise you everything you want. I guarantee you, you're richer than most people around the world. People in other worlds are dying to get to this place so they can have a little bit of what you have. If you can pay your bills and have food on the table, I'm telling you, compared to the rest of the world, you are rich. And beside that, there's all different kinds of ways to be rich. You can be rich in friendships. You can be rich with family. You can be rich with experiences with God. You can be rich in ministry. You can be rich in salvation. Listen, if you are here and you are saved today, you are blessed. You are rich. And God gives us all things to, for us to enjoy. Don't feel guilty. But if you enjoy life, don't feel guilty about it. Enjoy the blessings that God gives you. Enjoy them. They might, you know, and, and uh, enjoy the trip. Can you see yourself, no matter what the situation is, as being blessed? No matter what you're going through, no matter what you face, uh, no matter how tough or difficult the journey gets, can you see yourself as blessed? Salvation itself, when you, when you can look at someone who is facing death and they're, say, and they're saying the words, I am not afraid to die, that person's blessed. That person's blessed. We are blessed. We are rich. Uh, and, and we need to enjoy the blessings that God gives us. The scripture is clear that God intends for you and I to enjoy life. We don't have to let life challenges overwhelm us or to depress us or reduce us. We don't have to let life challenges do that. Yes, we have our challenges. I was talking to a, a, a lady at the, at the shoe giveaway, and she's facing some, some mammograms and stuff in the future. And uh, she's you know, going, going to be going back through some issues. But she said, I've learned that, hey, I'm not going to worry about it. Whatever, God's still on my side, and I'm going to just put some good thoughts in my mind and not worry about it. Because, listen, worrying will not change the situation anyway. You might as well enjoy the trip. Just enjoy the trip. He wants to be, us to be encouraged in spite of our trouble. It is reported, and I get this, it is reported that depression affects 16 to 18 million Americans each year. That's astounding. And it should concern us that so many people have a difficult time enjoying life. Now, we should not rush to judgment about why they are depressed. We, we shouldn't say, you know, sometimes we're so quick to say thus and such and so. Uh, you don't know what's, you haven't walked in their shoes. 
Many things can weigh a person down to the point that they lose hope if they, if they are not getting a grasp on how to encourage themselves in the Lord. There's a lot of stuff that can weigh them down to the point where they lose hope. Truth is, even the most positive people have to admit there are times when we struggle maintaining our happiness. I'm not, I, I'm usually... I'm usually pretty upbeat, and I usually have a smile and a laugh, but there are times uh, when you're by yourself and alone with your thoughts that you, you, even the most optimistic person has, there's some time that you just struggle in the area of maintaining your happiness. Let me take you to some scripture to one of the most depressing moments in the life of David. Now, you can go to the scriptures and find a lot of different illustrations about people who have experience things in life and they have come to the place where they they're really wrestling with depressions and i'm gonna i'm gonna read this now how many understands and knows that the 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 old testament was written for our learning things are written before time was written for our learning so that we might glean some things out of it and i, I want to tell you the, the one of the only reasons that this was written and put in the old testament is it has to be to to show us something because this is one of the blackest days of david's life it was one of the, in fact, one of the most depressing moments in his life had to be. If you think that you had bad days, let's talk, let me, let's, let's talk today, okay? First Samuel chapter 30, verses 3 through 4. So David and his men came to the city. Now, I'll give you some background here. Uh, he, he has left home, him and uh, 600 men. They were fighting with the Philistines as mercenaries. They've been run from their homeland by, by a, a king who was demented, who was out to kill him. He was away from his homeland. He was living in, in the wilderness, and uh, he was living, in fact, with the enemy. And, and so when the Philistines uh, wanted to attack Israel, they wouldn't allow David and his men to fight with him because they, they was concerned that they would turn on him in the heat of the battle. So they sent them home. So here's these 600 guys. They're on their way home. They're, they're tired. They're hungry. They have been traveling. They're on their way home, and they're expecting to, to be reunited with their, what, the families that are with them. They're, they're looking forward to having some hot meals and a time to rest. And notice, and so David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters have been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. They, they wept so long and grieved so much, they had no more tears to shed. Now, I don't know if that grips you like it does me, but these, these folks were going through a, a dark time. Having a bad day, maybe you had a bad week, and some of you think, well... It can't get any worse. Linda read me an article and told me about an article. Some years ago, she was reading about a guy, and I don't know if I can remember it all right. He was in his garage working with a motorcycle or something. And uh, something happened, and he hurt himself. He cut his, well, help me with this. He cut his hand or something. And so they called the ambulance to take him to the hospital to get him sewed up. Yeah, I know. That's the rest of the story. But anyway, on the way to the, uh, on the way, the, they got him, they picked him up, and on the way to put him in the, the ambulance, they dropped him out of the gurney or that thing, and he fell and broke his arm. So they took the poor guy to the hospital, and, he, and he's all cut, he's going to get stitches, then they had to, uh, you know, uh, set his arm, and he comes back home, and he'd been cleaning his motorcycle, and he'd put the rags in the toilet, 
and had cleaned out the rags in the toilet. So he sat down. Here he is. His arm was broke and all this other stuff. Just got back to the emergency room and he lit a cigarette. And he blew himself off the toilet through the glass shower door. And it cut him all to pieces, slides him all to pieces. And the caption at the bottom of it was, you're having a bad day. Whoa, you're having a bad day. This guy was having, he, he could identify with what David and his men were going through. But, you, but the thought will cross your mind. It, it, it can't get any worse. Oh, yes, it can. It can always get worse. Verse 6 says, now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. <laughs> yeah, isn't that good? Here you are, you're in the same boat with the rest of them, but uh, they, they had their, here they're emotionally charged, they have nobody to vent their anger at, and all at once now they turn on you, and uh, not only have you cried all the tears that you have, you have nothing left, it's, everybody's going through the same boat, and now they're thinking about killing you. Maybe... It's a good family situation for some of us. <laughs> now his men, his loyal men, are threatening to kill him. You might say he was at the end of his rope, literally. He was down at the end of Lonely Street. What's the rest of it? Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> God wants us to identify with David this morning, not only in his sorrow, but also in his breakthrough. I want to give you three things this morning. I want you to write these down. Uh, some pointers on how to encourage yourself because when you face these situations, if you have never faced these uh, situations where you are, you, you are teetering on, on you know, depression or discour being discouraged to the point that uh, you're going to go through some despair, you need to write these things down because uh, you need a breakthrough. So what David did is something that we can also do. Put worship before warfare. Number one, put worship before warfare. Yes, there is a, yes, there is a challenge. Yes, you're going to have to face that challenge. There's, there's going to be a battle. The, the kingdom suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. There's going to be a battle. But before you go into the battle, before David went anywhere, he began to encourage himself in the Lord. Put worship before warfare. David is known for his ability as a mighty man of war. His whole life, the, the, the bear, the lion, uh, Goliath, they sing songs about his ability to fight war. Saul has slain his thousands. David has slain his ten thousands. They, they sing songs about his mighty exploits in warfare. But notice what he did in verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Yes, there's challenges. Yes, you're, you're, you're wrestling with your emotions, but I'm telling you, you have to do and, and, and what David did. You have to strengthen yourself in the Lord his God. You will find this is the most important principle in all of your life. If you're not facing something now, I'm telling you, you will and you need to be armed with this. This is the most important principle in all of your life. Spending time with God is our first priority. We, you and I must spend time with God because when we come to those issues and challenges in life that want to force us and bring us to the point of despair, I'm telling you, God being the center of your life is what's going to save you. Spending time with God is our first priority. In the midst of the demands of life, in the midst of the challenges of life, worship is a necessity, not an option. Talking to you about 
encouraging yourself in the Lord. What is worship? Now, it's amazing. When we say worship, some people uh, do not know how to worship. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that. What is worship? How do we do it? Psalms chapter 95, verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Verse 6 says this. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Why? For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. Worship consists of singing and prayer. Never forget that. When you're faced with the challenges of life, put a song in your heart. Let it, let it come out on your lips. Somebody says, well, I'm not a singer. I know that. And God took a, let us know right there in that Psalms what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Don't use the excuse that I can't sing to take the place of your worship and singing to Him. Just make noise. Make it off key. Doesn't make, doesn't make, because you're not impressing the choir. You're not impressing the church. The only person you're trying to impress is God and you. So make a joyful noise to the Lord. No, no, notice it says, oh, come, let us sing. It's an invitation. When you're faced with the challenges of life and you're faced with the demands of life and you're, and you're, and you're struggling in your experience of, of, of find, you know, losing your unhappiness, I want you to know you need to start worshiping God. Worship and prayer. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We're going to have to fight for our lot in life sometimes. But before, but before we do, we need to spend time with God. You're just, in fact, between challenges. Because after you face and go through one challenge, it won't be long until you'll be faced with another one. And another one, and another one. I want you to understand and learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. David didn't have anybody, but he went alone and got alone with God and began to worship God. He was a master at worshiping God. He wrote, if, you, if you're not aware of that, you read the Psalms. I'm telling you, he was a singer. He was a songwriter. He knew how to worship and pray and get a hold of God. And then secondly, check this out. Ask God for direction. Before you do anything foolish... <laughs> notice what verse 8 says so David inquired of the Lord saying in fact he called for Abathar the priest and he said I want you to bring the ephod to me now in, in simple language the way, to, the way to identify with this ephod is that it's just a let's just think of a big heavy vest that's worn over the top of your clothes and it was a, a garment that the priest wore and so David had called for Abathar, and he said, I want you to bring the ephod or the vest here. And so David put it on. It's a type of the presence of God. And then he begins to inquire. And, and there's all different kinds of ways that people tried to express, uh, you know, what this was. But somehow, finding direction from God was connected to this ephod. They could find the will of God uh, by wearing this thing. I don't know. Uh, and it, I don't have time to explain. There's all kind of different theories how, how that took place. The thing that I want you to see is get direction from God. We have this. You don't have to put on a vest. It's right here, the principles of God's Word. So David inquired of the Lord and said, Shall I pursue this troop? First he, re he regained his composure through worship, and then he asked God for direction. Sometimes stress gets us dis disoriented. We don't think clearly. We do things and we make hasty decisions. Make sure you follow God's instructions. Don't make your, you and I can make our situation worse by acting foolishly. 
Save ourselves and save yourself some problems. Ask God for direction. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, what? Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1 says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, you, you can get all kinds of advice. I mean, you can get all kinds of advice, but you need to make sure you get godly advice. So first, you worship, and you encourage yourself in the Lord, and you worship and pray. Then you get direction from God. Get, get God's thoughts on the situation that you're going through, okay? Follow godly counsel. And thirdly, in the midst of your struggles, remember to treat others fairly and with kindness. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 24. The setting of the scriptures, when they, when they caught up with the enemy, they recovered everything that was taken from them. But not all the men went up. Some of them was too weak from former struggles, and they only went partway to the battle. Two of them, 200 of them stayed home or back with the stuff to guard the supplies. And 400 went on with David. They conquered the enemy, regained everything. Nothing was lost. They brought back the spoils of war. And some of the men in, in David's group did not want to share the spoils of war with those that did not go. And David said, no, we're not going to do that. They did their share. They did their part. They stayed and protected uh, the, the things that we had. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 24 says this, says this, For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike, or they shall share equally. Sometimes I've noticed it over the years in my own life and the life of others. When life isn't going the way we think it should, stress builds up, hormones are at the edge, you put your own thing, struggling with disappointment, feeling like you've been rejected or done wrong. If you're not careful, you'll wind up hurting someone. See, the scripture says, hurting people hurt people. Be careful when you're going through the stress and the issues of life and you're fighting with discouragement and the challenges and the demands of ministry or, or life or family issues or whatever. Make sure that, don't, that you do not speak out of your hurt to other people. Hurting people hurt people, and all you have to do is listen to their conversations. Don't get quiet on me now, because I'm preaching good. David said, no, no. We're, those that stayed behind is going to get an equal share with us that went on to the battle. Hurting people, though, have a tendency to hurt others. When the crisis passes, here's what happens. When the crisis passes, and you're right, and you get through it, and your emotions are down and balanced, and you're thinking normally, you have created now another problem. 
you have to mend some fences you took down in your anger and your frustration and your disappointment. And if you have not, now listen to what I'm saying, you're going to go through some challenges. Some of you are going through them right now. Maybe family issues, maybe whatever. Financial issues, there's nothing that causes marriage people to say ugly things to each other more than financial problems. When you're going through those times, listen, it is going to be a test of our behavior. Be careful that you don't create more problems than what you're in. Because after it's all over and you come back to normal and you realize that you had been responding out of your rejection and hurt, you're going to have to begin to mend some fences that you broke along the way by the ugly things that you say. It's real quiet now. I think we're ready for communion. Do yourself a favor. When troubles come, and they will, be aware of yourself and watch how you treat others around you. Treat them fairly. Treat them honestly. Treat them with kindness so that you don't create a, a greater problem than what you're going through. Encourage yourself today in the Lord. Life is a battle, isn't it? That's what Brother Higgins used to say. It's a battlefield, brother. And the troubles come. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, you'll find out that Moses, he lined the people up and he said, the land that God is going to take you to is a land of hills and valleys. It's not like the place of Egypt where you come out of where you watered everything with your foot. It's going to be a land flowing. But it's also going to be a land of hills and valleys. There's going to be times in our life when we experience those mountaintops of just absolute wonderful things. And then there's going to be some valleys that we'll walk through that we're going to be pressed and we're going to be squeezed and in those times, you're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord because that's all David had. That was probably his darkest moment in life. Some of you may identify with him right now. I'm telling you, you need to identify with him also in the way he found a breakthrough. It, this too shall pass. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you. Our confession is that you're a good God. You are absolutely a good God. And our trust is in you. All across this congregation, there's no doubt people that are going through a real times of, of stress and, and struggles. And, they're, and, and they may identify with David today. Uh, not knowing what to do, feeling alone. Uh, and they need to come to the place where it's just you and them. Sometimes, God, I found it, you plan it that way. Where the, there's no place else to look but up.
But in that moment, God's going to be so sweet to you. He's going to bring you through this. And He's going to be sweeter to you than you've ever thought possible. God is a good God. He hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't given up on you. Encourage yourself today in the Lord. Worship Him. You say, ah, oh, I have nothing to worship Him. I just don't, there's nothing. Listen, use your memory. Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name, who forgives all my iniquities, heals all of my diseases, satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, that ought to make you happy. He didn't say he renews your, your energy like a mud hen. But he said the eagle, who crowns your life with loving kindness and tender mercies. Oh, use your memory. Has he done that in your past? He saved you. He changed the direction of your life. He changed your destiny. You say, I haven't got anything to worship him. Oh, yes, you do. He's forgiven all of your sins. All of your sins. We did none of us deserve it, but that's what he did. Use your memory. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. It's my responsibility. I'm going to do it myself. Can't depend on somebody else to worship God for me. It's my job. It's my responsibility. Oh, but when you do, when you do, God's presence, God's Spirit come into His presence with thanksgiving in your heart. Oh, my God. In my darkest moment, He's still God. He's still God. Told the class on Wednesday, listen, God's a healer. God's a restorer. God's a healer. He's a, a someone says, well, I don't understand healing. Neither do I. But I know God heals. I know God works miracles. Our former senior adult pastor survived two open heart, major open heart surgeries died with Lou Gehrig disease, slow, agonizing death. One day when I went over to pray with him, break your heart because you pray for God to heal. And before he lost his ability to talk, he pulled me close to him and he said, John, if God doesn't heal me, it doesn't mean that God's not a healer because the book says He is. Amen. The book says He is. God's a healer because that book says He's a healer. I don't understand all the complications. I don't understand all the theological debates, but I'm telling you, we have a covenant with God by His stripes. We are healed. Amen. You're going through a time of darkness and just struggling. I want you to stand today before we go. We're going to pray. I 
want you to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And the book said, he encouraged himself in the Lord, and he worshiped. Let's do this. All of you, I want you to sing it. When I think about the Lord. Think about the Lord. 